Hello, everybody, and welcome to Speak Out, the Outright Podcast. I'm your host. My name is JQ, and you can use any pronouns for me. Hi, I'm Emily, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Emma, and I use they, she, he pronouns. I'm Alyssa, and I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Rainer, I use he, him pronouns. And today we are talking about all things queer monstrosity, because uh, we are using November as our unofficial October, because we had other things to talk about in October, but now it's time for Spooky Scary. Scary skeletons, or just sort of general monsters, as the case may be. (laughs) Do we want to just start out by talking about queer-coded villains? Because I feel like that's a lot of the examples we have. Would it be? Could we define what queer monstrosity? Yeah, let's do that. I feel like that's a good idea. Personally, I don't know. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Well, I feel like a lot of it is um, equating queerness with sort of inhumanity or evilness, almost as a reflex, like without actually considering the aspects of queerness or like what a queer person is doing just taking queerness as itself and being like ooh, evil and scary gross even yeah i agree i think it has a lot to do with like fear of like excess and like pleasure and like that kind of thing especially in like western society where it's like it must be evil because like Queerness, I don't know, especially like queer sexuality. No, like, like Puritanism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very rooted in like, oh well, like you know, desire and like that kind of things. And then they're like, no, actually, if you have fun, that's bad. <laughs> if you have fun, you are evil. You are evil. Sorry. That's, like what? That's like the whole like sins of the flesh thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're supposed yeah. to be like only take joy in spiritual or like metaphysical things, and so enjoying things that are physical is like inherently bad because. Yeah. Because that's all. Because. <laughs> no justification. Well, I'm sure there is justification. Yeah. <laughs> that part. You can't just show up and immediately hit on Paul. Uh, Paul. From the Bible. Paul from the Bible. Oh, <laughs> Wait, there's a dude named Paul Wait, in the Bible? Like, yes. Yeah, he wrote like he wrote a bunch of letters. Oh shit, okay, true. That's a basic ass name. That's hilarious. Yeah, dude, basic. all the Some basic dude. ass dude names come from the Bible. Yeah. John. John. Matthew. Oh my God. <laughs> Those are basic business names, God! Ecclesiastes. Uh, I follow you. <laughs> okay, now can we talk about queer coded villains? Yes. yes. Now that we've done our heresy for the day. <laughs> Is that that's not our cancelable moment? We're a no. podcast. We're allowed to be no, I mean, that's sort of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah true. I'm, I'm pointing not. to our double uh, bags. <laughs> Can people see the tote bags? I don't think so. Okay, we have tote bags that say have a devil of a time on them with like a little jester devil, uh, which you should buy from us, by the way. Okay, now. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we should probably start with Disney villains because I feel like they're iconic, but also like really clear examples. Um, Like the first thing, like when we came up with the topic, I was like, yeah, we should talk about Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Because it's like... Yeah, we made our inhuman evil monster, and then we based her on a drag queen. Indeed. <laughs> she did serve kind, though. She did. She did. She did, but it was, like, against their efforts, you know? And they yeah. tried to make her not... Yeah. They tried to make her, like, ugly, but actually, um... um, um <laughs> but actually, she's kind of fucking cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, they tried everything, but she looked so good, and, like, I feel like even her makeup was just, like, such traditional, like drag makeup. It was very, like, it's very insane that they just did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They were not subtle. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know that they, like, took 
inspiration from a specific drag queen, right? Like, yeah, it was divine. 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 Yeah. yeah. But like, there was like some sort of controversy about how they didn't use like a queer makeup artist, and so it kind of ended up like not. Oh yeah, like oh the, eye, the eyebrows were like. Yeah, it did end up like a great representation. It was kind of like a watered down representation of drag makeup, and it was just like, damn, yeah. could have looked cooler. Yeah, they could have yeah. gone hard. I mean, but it's Disney, so also, also it's our live action Disney. Which yeah, is exactly. Like, yeah. Even worse than kind regular of lame. Disney. Tbh. Yeah, but I think that about the makeup, I think the makeup artist said something about it looks like it was supposed to look like Ursula did it herself. Which I thought was an insult to Ursula. Yeah, like you um, think she doesn't oh, know how to do that. Oh, she could do better than that. No fucking way. She would not have that boring, basic makeup. Like, come on. That was, you know, it was too basic. I like the implication that in the animated The Little Mermaid, Ursula had someone else to do her makeup. Yeah, what? <laughs> the eel of all the Flotsam and whatever the other one's name is. Oh my god, Jensen. Jensen, yeah. Anyways, back to monsters. Should we give like some historical background on why Disney villains were so queer coded? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd love to hear that. About yeah. Howard Ashman? Go for it. Howard oh, yeah. Ashman, um, with Alan Menken, did the music for The Little Mermaid. Um, they were a duo, and uh, Howard Ashman was famously a gay man. Um, and he was the one who made the decision to base Ursula off of Divine, the drag queen. Um, so there's like a history of a lot of queer people in the arts, as we know. Um, <laughs> so, the, and there's like, I think it's a complicated issue because it's like there were queer people, a lot of them who were closeted working in these industries and trying to insert queer characters and like queer coded characters into the work. But then because of the Hayes Code, Basically, you couldn't have a queer-coded character or a queer character in your movie or TV show unless they were punished at the end. So then that's what kind of led to uh, queer-coded characters becoming villains, because that was the only place for them in a narrative. Um, like, you can't portray moral indecency in a positive light. It has to be yeah. The right. status quo of heteronormativity has to be restored at the end. Right. Yeah. Although not in so many words, of course. <laughs> <laughs> It needs to be super subconscious so that it really gets into people's minds and they don't know. And makes you Perfect. have a queer awakening um, yeah. Yeah. while watching Disney movies. And simultaneously oh having internalized mm. homophobia. <laughs> not just a great That's entirely less good than having your sexual awakening from a Disney movie villain. No, like, it's it would be harder to name a non-queer-coded <laughs> yeah, villain in Disney. Yeah, that's kind of fair. Because, like... Yeah, Scar from the... Yes. Yeah. No, and I feel like the guy from um, The Frog Princess, The Princess and the Frog, excuse me, Oh, was, like, also kind of... Facilier. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, and then, like... I feel like Frollo, maybe not. Yeah, like, for, yeah, okay. He's different. He's got something else going on. Oh, yeah, okay, right. Yeah. They've got different queer things going on in that movie. <laughs> uh, not the villain so much, but... I, I thought of one, um, but I, I'm still ruminating on it. Uh, but, like, Gaston is oh. probably not queer-coded, but then... I don't know. I could probably think of a reason why he would be. Yeah, that was so. Oh my god, 
and I forgot that there was yeah. a live action Beauty and the Beast. And they made like his like this little buddy. Like they made him very. Didn't he almost say things like that were like almost explicitly queer? I feel he like. Yes, he danced with another man <laughs> for like, one second, and they were like, oh my god, like, <laughs> in, in the background, in the background, a live slug reaction. That was cringe though. Bring back cunty gay villains. (laughs) Not like that. Not like this. It's like when they're trying not to be homophobic, it somehow becomes more homophobic. Yeah. Because then they fucking sanitize it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When Ursula is like queer coded, she serves. And it's like, she may be evil, but like, I love her while she's doing it. Whereas <laughs> Gaston's small bro is like, <laughs> small bro. I still don't know his name. And, oh, it is <laughs> They really named him the crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Not their fault, I guess. Maybe. No, their fault. They yeah. chose this yeah. one. They could have changed it. They could have changed it. Yeah, changed I mean, the whole point of, like, fun queer monstrosity is that, like, it is going outside of, like, the societal bounds in a way where it's, like, we're embracing it. So yeah. it's, like, yeah. It's, like, damn, not, not you making him cringe. Right. <laughs> no, for yeah. real. But, but is this a case of, like, if we were doing this now, is that acceptable? You know? Like, this is this is all stuff that happened in history and we're revisiting it and, and looking at it um, and trying to reconcile it, I guess, or the fact that we enjoy it, mm-hmm. but what do we say about, like, people who will continue to queer code their villains today? I think this segues into, like, complex, like, queer, like, POV characters that are also evil. Like, I don't know. I haven't seen Hannibal, but, like, Hannibal. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> Killing not- Eve. Wait, okay, yeah. <laughs> Yellow Jackets, which I, which I also haven't seen. <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, all of those. Or Bottoms. Oh, bottoms. Oh. Yeah. Morally complex queer characters. Yeah. Evil question mark. POV. Yeah. I don't know. Thoughts. Support gay wrongs. Support gay wrongs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I feel like I would still be okay with people having queer code like queer villains if they also have queer non-villains, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um especially if like a villain being queer and it's not like a pedophilia thing. Yeah. Uh, not to be like, oh, it should just be another part of who they are. Like, we don't need to only tell queer stories, but also, like, it is nice for uh, to have, like, a lot of characters who are queer without queerness being the only thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Love Simon Thing. <laughs> uh, you know. Well, not Love Simon. Oh, yeah, Love Simon. The ultimate sanitized gay story. I watched that movie on a plane, and it is such a plane movie. It really is. It doesn't ask anything of anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gay movie for straight people. Yeah, oh, is. 100%. It's like Baby's first gay movie. Yeah. You know? like, it actually was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, like, introduces you to the concept so you can, like, it's like do oh. better. Gay mm-hmm. people are just like you. This is honestly, I feel like what you were talking about with assimilation versus yes, evolution. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love that concept in this context. Yeah. Um, Love, Simon is not slay because basically they're saying, like, <laughs> look at gay people. They're the same as you straight people. And they have weddings, too. Um, but that's, that's, like, not the best thing to say, I don't think. I mean... We're all people, I guess, but like 
there's aspects of queer culture that are different and that should be okay too. Um, and we should just like, you know, do the gay wrongs and be like, this is okay. And it's actually not sinful, um, and not have those associations. And that's why things like movies like Bottoms are great because like, yes, did all the lesbian characters murder a bunch of people, but are they still the heroes? Yes. We accept them and we accept their gay wrongs. Don't murder people. But like... (laughs) As, outright, as an organization does not condone murder. Yeah, we hear it all right. Do not condone we, murder. There we hear it all right. Did people have things they wanted to say though about like Hannibal or anything? I don't know because I haven't seen it. I, I honestly have not either. either. Okay, so valid. Yeah, so JQ, did you have things you wanted to say? No, I mean, you can go first. But. Oh, I am in the process. I'm like, probably almost at the end of the first season. I've been going very slow because I go very slow watching TV shows. I think it's more that the relationship between them is queer coded more than he himself is queer coded. Like he, like his kid, like in the sense that villains, Disney villains are queer coded because they, their characters embody like archetypes or like characteristics usually associated with queer people. I think that it's more that like the relationship between Hannibal and Will is like, kind of homoerotic, more so than, like, Hannibal himself embodies some sort of queer archetype. That almost takes, like, the buddy cop thing and then dials it up to, like, 12. Dials it up real high. Yeah. Because they just, like, are so... It, like, removes the machismo. Yeah, true. There's many things Hannibal is, but Macho is not one of them. (laughs) That's same with Will. Like, it's just a... Like a wet cat, you know? Oh. <laughs> but it removes the, like, oh, we're both macho men, and we only feel the fires of platonic love for one another. You can get, like, a much clearer view of the kind of intense homosociality um, that the relationship engenders. And also, they're both kind of evil. Sorry, Will. But, um, Slay. Not, not great. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, that's also like a better way to do it. Than like relying on queer stereotypes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I won't say there are no queer stereotypes, especially with Hannibal, but like, mm. I feel like it's few enough that if he wasn't evil in a media franchise known for um, being a little bit problematic about gender nonconformity, uh, then I wouldn't really think about it. Um, fuck you, Silence of the Lambs. No, for real. Oh. Cringe. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is just a Tumblr thing, but I do think cannibalism kind of queer. No, No, because I bet it goes, I think, like, you know, in some convoluted way, it goes back to the whole idea of enjoying pleasures of the flesh. Yeah, exactly. Pleasures of the extremely literal flesh. Literally. Like, it gets so literal with it, and then it's gay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm always seeing, like, crazy Tumblr posts that are, like, Oh, like, when you want someone so bad that, like, the only way to get, like, close enough to them is to literally, like, consume them. That haunts me a little bit. And I know, like, yellow... I don't know. I know people like yellow jackets. I didn't watch it. It was too scary for me. But something, something. Gay people... (laughs) (laughs) I also haven't seen yellow jackets. I think between us we've seen, like, one episode. Uh, and it wasn't me I was just say that like I don't know if anyone listens to Ethel Kane but like very much Mm -hmm. like that whole thing of like when you love someone so much that you just like need to like physically like consume them like Mm -hmm. this love is like overpowering I think that's just like an interesting 
kind of like narrative that's like been in a lot of like movies and I think like just like the intensity of queer love too kind of can go into that in some ways yeah I totally agree with you because I think like when you have queer media you actually have stakes that are high enough that are like oh yeah no you it is that crazy like the us against the world kind of like dynamics Mm -hmm. actually do come into play where it's like oh if you're straight people I'm like why aren't you getting together? Like, there's something <laughs> why, why are you so afraid? Like, Your get over it. Been a blood, in a blood feud for like a century. Um, so literally, yeah, get, get over it. Oh, oh, oh but, like, if it's gay people, kind of realistic. Yeah. Literally, um, I cannot believe that I didn't write anything about the Magnus archives and my notes. Oh my god! Oh my fucking god! Yeah, oh my I listened god. to like thirty episodes of it. Mm-hmm. I've also um, seen like twenty or so. I'm familiar with a lot of the things that happen because people are crazy about it online. Yeah. And like, yeah, my god, what a podcast about literally turning into a monster um, while being gay, but also you're still the sympathetic main character? Question mark. <laughs> Good for you. Morally questionable main character, but like sympathetic though. Yeah, and like Jonathan Sims turns still... into a monster. He like literally gets possessed by the um, what the fuck is it called? The eye. Yeah, the eye. So the, the deity that represents the fear of. Yeah, the archivist. Oh, oh yeah, the deity that represents the fear of being watched. And he's like, and he's so like, he like knows everything. He is the watcher. And okay, he can, like, that's why I see the fan art with him with all the eyes. Oh my yeah, god, yeah. the fan art with him all the eyes. God, that's crazy. I have that's so many feelings about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> In case that wasn't clear. Um, yeah. And then they're gay and it's literally them versus the world. Saving that's the whole crazy. world at the very end. And then like, his partner who was very much like this kind of like, soft like trying to help everybody is kind nebbish. of just like what nebbish what does that mean it, just it's like a that, very basically. good description of him okay just cool. trust yeah. me yeah martin moment uh his <laughs> name's martin uh <laughs> um he like tur- he like turns around and he's like well i think you should kill all these people who are doing bad things and um the archivist is like no but it makes me feel guilty and he's like no you should go all kill bill on them Anyways, like Martin moment. Yeah. Anyways, but queer monstrosity as a way of saying fuck you to the people who have rejected you and harmed you and cast you out. Yeah. Also, and I feel like Welcome to Night Vale honestly does this better. I feel like queer monstrosity also is a way of sort of reclaiming alienation from general society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Like, Cecil basically is. I mean, he's normal for Night Vale, but, like, you as the listener feel very alienated from Night Vale itself, uh, because it is a weirdo ghost town full of inexplicable and unexplained, not even, like, spooky occurrences, just, like, weird shit. Just so weird. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I feel like in many ways that is a replica of the sad parts of the queer experience, but, like almost reframed in a very happy and loving way. Like, it reframes the alienation you might feel, or, like, the dehumanization you might feel from not experiencing or ex- something that everyone's like, oh, you need this to be human. Like, I have this about our Ace Spectrum episode. Like, if you don't feel sexual attraction and everyone is like, but it's part of the, the human experience. <laughs> That's very alienating. And I feel like Night Vale is, some, is a space to explore that alienation while still being, like, loved almost can you tell i have a lot of feelings about yeah. the podcast. <laughs> and like that like 
the fact that it do you mean being loved and the fact that like Cecil is still talking to the listeners and clearly has like affection for them. Yeah, it's like and, giving like, them the time of And the day. he himself is part of this like big happy queer love story. Yeah. Yeah, that's like I feel like that's also very like our means death coded. I don't know. No, no, go on. I... Yeah, no, I think <laughs> I mean, in the first season it really goes hard on the like monstrosity like tropes because like the main characters, Steed and Blackbeard are both, like, framed as, like, monstrous into their own, like, self-perceptions because of, like, the murder. Uh, but yeah, no, because, like, Seed and Blackbeard are very, like, they both committed, like, murders. Okay, spoilers. Sorry. Steve commits murders? Steve, Steve commits murders. Um, close your ears if you don't want to hear. But yeah, Steed um, kills a British officer. And, as you should, though. Yeah, fuck the military. <laughs> and... Edward Blackbeard kills his dad. So, <laughs> yeah, and so because of that, they both view themselves as, like, monsters, and, like, Steed um, literally has, like, a, a interaction with the brother of the officer he kills, who's like, you're a monster, you, like, ruin every good thing, and, like, no one would ever love you, blah, blah, blah. Basically, like, every queer oh, yeah, person's, like... did kill that guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Every queer person's, like, fears, and, like, Ed is, like, I'm unlovable, like, I'm the... Cr- the Kraken or whatever. Doesn't he literally have, like, a whole spiel where he, like, tells the story of his dad dying, but he's like, and the Kraken killed him. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, actually, it was me, though. Was like, um, that was me, though. It was me, though. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I think what's, like, really nice about the show is because, like, it kind of frames, like, piracy as, like, this queer, like, society that's, like, outside of society, where you can find, like, queer community and be accepted for who you are, and then, like, through queer love and queer community, they both, like, learn to accept themselves and, like, be like, actually, I'm not a monster, it's just society that we But isn't it, like, sad at the end of the first season? It is, but the second season ends happily. Okay, well, I haven't watched the second season, and I also didn't finish the first season because I heard that it ended sadly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you can watch it. Now we can watch it. Yeah, the second season ends happily, and I think that just, like, carries through with a lot of the characters, like Izzy. You'll find out. <laughs> oh, also, I feel like there's something interesting in that they're using, like, the names of histor- historical personages, particularly Blackbeard, but also uh, Steve Bonnet, to do this, like, thing about queer monstrosity, almost. Like, they're using the real-life alienation, and also the fact that you're, like, familiar with these people to sort of throw you off even more by doing this very human story with these, like, almost caricatured historical people. Yeah, like, really like figures. Was, yeah. I feel like that was a really interesting uh, creative decision. It could have just been, like, and we are pirates in the age of piracy. Like, pirates of the Caribbean style. Honestly, I low-key feel the same way about Heartstopper that I do about Love, Simon, though. No, that's valid. Mm, oh, yeah, entirely like, fair. Um, Does it give me warm, fuzzy feelings? Fucking yes. Um, but, yeah, also... In like it is very much queer media for young queers, but in that sense, it also kind of sorry um, leave like for that reason to like make it like kid friendly. I guess I think they also like left sanitized. out things. Yeah, like yeah, sanitized it, left things out. It's interesting because I agree. Like it gives me that warm fuzzy feeling, oh but I don't God, know if it's it really just does. because I'm like yeah, it's just like I'm like, am I so starved for these queer stories that I'm like looking at this and I'm like, oh, this is so sweet. It's nice to see like queer people represented and like their love and like in a more like normal way, I guess. But it's also like, and it's not like in a tragic way because I feel like we all know like a lot of queer stories are about queer tragedy and it is nice to see like queer joy, but like it also is kind of definitely presented for straight people to be like very easily digestible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I think like, that's why it's just good to have like more queer rep because mm-hmm. I think like Kurt Stopper is doing like an important thing for like young queer people yeah. but also like yeah like personally I was like yeah I'm kind of bored um, <laughs> but that's like obviously I, I know a lot of people love it and I think that's like good for you to like people to like have that like happy like queer stuff for mm-hmm. like young people but then also it's nice to have like K-Rons too yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. I really like Heartstopper, and I know that a lot of like older queer people really don't like it because they say it's like unrealistic and there isn't enough sex. But um, I agree with you what you're saying about like how you just need to have more queer media mm-hmm. um, because I think it it's really important that Heartstopper is like a show that creates like an altered reality where there isn't like sexual pressure mm-hmm. on teenagers all the time. Um, and they can just, like, be in love and, you know, explore that at their own pace. Um, I feel like... Is that the reason why people don't like it? Is because there's not, like, sex in no, it? No, yeah, I don't not, think that's the reason I've ever heard that anyone. is No, a lot, no. Of, well, a lot of people say, like... Um, they're weird well, for that. They're, 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 they're two teenage boys and they're not having sex. That's unrealistic. When yeah, I, I have married. never heard like anyone 15. make that critique. Yeah, I think yeah. Like I've I, heard that it's, no, it's boring. A lot of like, a lot, though. It's a lot of like millennials. Okay, well, I listen to millennials though, and the, the <laughs> millennials I hear don't say that. Well, it's. I mean, that might be a chronically online tip. <laughs> okay, my bad. I exposed myself. That no, it's okay. Also, Trixie and Katya talked about that. So I know, I I know what I saw, but maybe maybe I am chronically online. No, no, like they that's like only people like millennials who are chronically online are like saying that. I that's, see. Yeah, that's right. Not like, like your take. Not like your take. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, for sure, that's not the reason why I was bored. <laughs> I just, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely does come back to having a range of things because then everybody wouldn't have to rely on Heartstopper for their queer media fix. Exactly. You know? And I can just go watch something else. Exactly. Like, yeah. Or something. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, still be gay. Yeah. I also like, think for me, like growing up, like I didn't have any show that was like, <laughs> like you could watch as a kid. Like there was like the L word, but I'm not going to be watching that exactly. when I'm like nine years old. But like, I think it's nice to just have some sort of media for young queer mm-hmm. people because I think if I would have seen more queer people in the media growing up, I would have like, help to realize my sexuality faster and I think it is like an important thing in some ways like just to see yourself in any way in like a positive way you know mm-hmm. I think especially god we're so off topic we're so um, off topic sorry that was like so no you're so good no, we, can, we can pull it back uh, yeah anyways I mean oh queer futures like I feel like that's the other thing that Heartstopper does do right in some ways is that it like offers kids like an option like yeah, anyways, I mean, back to, like, the idealized like, school, universe though. and stuff. Yeah, not yeah. Future, this yeah. is true. No, not really, but, you know, like, actually, I think it's the opposite, where it, may- it means they don't have to rely on this ideal future that they're constantly working towards, because the past kind of, like, maybe sucks a little bit. It's like, you know, also your present can be good. 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 <laughs> anyways. <laughs> anyways. No, Turn it back around. I do feel like in some ways Heartstopper, even though um, not for me, I feel like it is important to not just have like what we've been talking about, like only queer villains and queer yeah, monstrosity. Like, mm. I don't think anyone here would disagree with that, regardless of our personal opinions about 
whether we want to watch Heartstopper. I don't think anyone here is contesting its right to exist or that it's good that it exists. Yeah. How about queer monstrosity, like, in a literal physical form? Like, how vampires are kind of queer-coded, and werewolves, in their own way, are sometimes a little bit queer-coded, too. So true. Like, the physicality of monstrosity, I guess. Yeah, no, I think, okay, mm. <laughs> trans person brain rot, but I feel like True. a queer monstrosity in, like, a trans sense is very, like, it is very rooted in, like, the body and stuff, and I don't know, like, okay, I'm gonna read the, the quote that I put in the notes, but I re- read this um, poetry collection called The Year Blue Water from one of my classes, and it's a lot of it is centered around like the trans experience and like the trans experience like with your body specifically and there's this one line that the author has that is it says like repulsion is a feeling that you can direct to your own body but someone has to teach you first and I think like that really ties into like I don't know like being trans and like society being like you are like monstrous for like being like in between or like not quite like something or the other and I think that like I don't know a good well, I don't know if it's a good book to read, but a book if you want to, like, look into no, these things. Yeah, I feel like you could probably speak more to this than I could, because I'm just sort of genderqueer and you're, like, a trans man. But I feel <laughs> like there is definitely, especially as someone AFAB, a weird sort of, like, oh, you're destroying your beauty. Like, you're destroying yeah. your body oh my God, yeah. um, by transitioning or even by, like, presenting in a gender nonconforming way. Like, that in itself makes you not desirable and so monstrous mm, yeah no very much the idea of a woman an idea and I uh, an ideal woman as somebody small and something to protect and a way to rally against people is by saying oh they're threatening women like that's where you get like trans mm-hmm. women being demonized is because of this idea of women and also children as this kind of like idealized victim that has no agency and that people need to protect missing white woman syndrome Mm. what is that oh like where the like where when a white woman goes missing then she gets like a lot of media coverage and police effort and when like people of color and especially men of color go missing it's like ah whatever right yeah Yeah. that's so true yeah oh yeah (laughs) the book that if people want to read something about like transness and monstrosity and also cannibalism, there's a book called Walking Practice. I don't remember the author's name off the top of my head, but it's about an alien who is very like monstrous physically and um, goes around like killing people essentially, like having sex with them and killing them. Which is like, I, I do think the way it handles the monster is a little like, like the author is, I believe, like trans or genderqueer. Um, it does not end, like, ne- hopefully, but it is interesting if people want to check that out. If I found the correct novel, it is by Doki Min? Yeah. Okay, yeah, correct. there you go. Yeah, but very, very transgressive in a kind of fun way. Transgressive? transgressive. <laughs> yeah, that's, not, that's not a good joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cancel, cancel yeah, the yeah. of the episode. Thought <laughs> I made a bad joke? <laughs> One, please. <laughs> I do want to talk about Good Omens, though. Oh, yeah, we should talk about Good Omens. (laughs) Okay. What are your thoughts? Okay, I'm, like, too crazy about Neil Gaiman to start this off, so I do... And I don't remember anything that happened in the show, 
and I didn't watch the second season. Oh. So I'm only going to be talking about the book. <laughs> about the That's valid. Yeah. You should talk yeah. about the book too, though. Um, mm, no, I need to gather my thoughts. Okay, because I feel like a lot of what you were saying was about the show, because I was like, and I have no idea what he's talking about, but I'm sure he's right, because English major. Um, yeah. No, but I really feel like in some ways, Book of Xerophil, like, is struggling with queer monstrosity. Like, <laughs> no, I'm so unwell about him. Oh, real. So unwell. Um, I feel like Crowley is the easy target, and so mm-hmm. I had to be um, contrary. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's so much, and like, he's attempting to fit in to human society in a completely unnecessary way. And then at random interludes, it's just like very obvious that this creature is not human at all. Mm. And also there's a bit uh, towards the end of the book where he's like literally possessing a woman. Like he is literally a man presenting creature in a woman's body. And it's like, hmm, hope there's no Ooh. subtext here. It's <laughs> <laughs> like crazy. his little character introduction it's like, oh, three things were obvious about him. He was English, he was intelligent, and he was gayer than a tree full of monkeys on nitrous oxide. <laughs> That's and a crazy like, description. No, did this not make it to the show, though? Like, that is so, it's so iconic. No, not that line. <laughs> it was not in the show. It, 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 they weren't, like, explicitly, like, textually queer in the show. Okay, but, like, they're until not. Until the, like. Until season two. Yeah, until season two, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say Crowley is textually queer, and you could argue that. Like, oh, they're not actually men. They are... Except when they make... Wait, fuck, is that Dogma? No, I know what no, you're talking about. No, no, except about. for when they make an effort. Sorry, there's another movie called Dogma, which also has angels who are pretty homoerotic, honestly. <laughs> um, and sometimes I get them confused a little bit. That's how Um, But I feel like Aziraphale has... There's, like, so much to unpack there that... Your main non-human character is an angel, which is like, oh, good. But also you introduce him and it's like, and he is gay in 1990, which is like an interesting position to be in. Like it immediately positions him as something other. And then throughout the book, he's like even more other. He's very different from all the, like all the rest of the characters, especially um, Adam, the kid. (laughs) <laughs> Isn't there a line where in the book I haven't read the book where like they get a woman who's like hitchhiking or something? Oh and yeah, she's like no, concerned and she's like, never mind, okay. <laughs> yeah. oh no, they sake. accidentally hit Anathema's uh, bicycle with their car, and then uh, Aziraphale magically fixes the bicycle, uh, and then there's it's implied that like Anathema is nervous because these two strange men are like handling her only means of egress a lot and then at the end as they're getting in the car Crowley says get in Angel and she goes ah I had never been in any danger after all yeah (laughs) okay Okay, guys so I guess Crowley a little bit (laughs) no Crowley also queer coded but I feel like at least in the show from what I remember it's so obvious that like do I even like oh fallen angel sauntered vaguely down yeah yeah. just fell in with the wrong crowd like, me when hanging out with gay people makes me gay, question mark. Oh <laughs> also, I think that David Tennant is just kind of like... Oh, yeah, David Tennant seems to be a little bit flamboyant. He does, yeah. and I love that about him. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. Like, is your there's so much to unpack there. Like, I think, like, the religious trauma intersecting with, like, the queer monstrosity, like, self-perception and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And like, oh my god, okay. <laughs> the end of season two was so crazy. Okay, close your ears if you don't want to hear. No, it's it's okay. I already heard it. But um <laughs> Yeah, no, basically what happens is like Aziraphale is offered because the angel, as JK said, is offered a position as one of the archangels of heaven. So like top dog, you know, that kind of thing. It's like new Gabriel. Exactly. Yeah. And then He's like, I can fix heaven. I can fix the broken system. <laughs> and then Crowley, Crowley is like, comes back, and he's finally like worked up the courage to like confess to Aziraphale that he like is in love with him. <laughs> and he's like, I'm, I've been in love with you for like thousands of years. And then oh, Aziraphale is like, anyway, so I accept the job. <laughs> he's like, and he's like, and they said that you could become an angel too. And then Crowley's like, how did you misinterpret everything I've ever wanted so badly? Like. He's, like, basically, like, we only need each other, and, like, fuck the system, and, like, let's just run away together. No, yeah, well, I feel like in one of the major themes, at least in the book, is, like, they're not on heaven's side or yeah. on hell's side, they're on their own side exactly. slash earth's side. Which is so gay. Yeah, by the way, they're <laughs> really gay. Um, yeah, and then he, like, kisses him, as uh, Crowley kisses Aziraphale as, like, a last-ditch attempt to be, like, this is what you're, like, missing out on, like, this is how much I, like, care about you. And then... Aziraphale is like freaking out going through the five stages of grief like you can see that like the face journey was crazy and then he's like he turns to Crowley and then he says I forgive you and I was like which is wait sorry am I interpreting that right forgive you like in the sense of he is gonna get the job and he's like I can fix you or different again I have not seen the show show. but it sounds it seems extremely loaded from a, like, Crowley is a demon, which means he should be seeking yeah. God's forgiveness yeah, yeah, type yeah. thing. Is that um, what it's saying here? I think it's, like, whatever you can interpret. But, yeah, I think Fun. that definitely ties into it. But there's also, like, the layer of, like, yeah, exactly. Like, you're a demon. You're not supposed to, like, interact with me in this way. And then also just, like, the, like, just, like, the, the like, internalized homophobia. Which no. is like, oh. And, and that was my impression oh. from at least the show. I only watched the two seasons of the show but like the queer metaphor there I thought was like the fact that um, Aziraphale is an angel and Crowley is a demon because like yes there is that aspect of like they are literally queer and that neither of them have gender really um, but but and then they're also like what do you say Aziraphale is like gay in the Look, yeah, like, like in his human form, introduced people. as yeah, at so least like, appearing very gay. Yeah, there's like that aspect of like literal queerness as we understand it in like our human society, and then there's also like the metaphor for queerness on that like angelic and and demon level. Um, and so when Aziraphale says, "I forgive you," it's like that's. Yeah, that's the homophobia. Homo- yeah. Homophobia. Yeah. No, I feel like, and I'm recalling this from the first season of the show, doesn't John Hamm, Gabriel, like, needle at Aziraphale a lot for being, like, too human in a way that's kind of homophobic? Yeah, probably. It really, it really feels like... Well, there's the bit where he, like, comes in the bookstore and he's like, hello, I would like to purchase pornography. <laughs> and then he, like, low-key um, made me very sad to watch him Nar. say whatever he said. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like also there's the added aspect of, like, in season two, at least, it's, like, revealed the first time that, like, Aziraphale eats human food. And it's because Crowley, like, offers it to him. And it's, like, framed as temptation, which is, again, coming back to, like, consumption and pleasure. Because in the book, Crowley barely eats. Mm -hmm. And Aziraphale, 
eats, like, is shown to indulge in human pleasures like that a lot. Like sushi. Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of like, oh, it like, Aziraphale loves to eat, but, like, it's, like, the person who introduced it was, like, Crowley. But then Aziraphale's like, this is a bad thing. Like, so I'm being tempted, up. like, right now. And I think that's, like, the same thing with, like, the kiss where he's, like, it's, like, pleasure. It's, like, yeah. Kind of, like, you know, like, desire and, like, that kind of thing where he, like, wants things. And he's, like, this is, like, sinful. And I'm, like, oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Why would you say that? <laughs> oh, <God>. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> Want to talk about Jennifer's body? Oh, before. Fuck yeah, I want to talk about Jennifer's body. Let me pull up my notes really quick because I want to remember what I said. Um, You're like, how did how did they make Jennifer and Needy fail the reverse Bechdel test? Oh my god, yeah, like, because uh, I know that with Jennifer's body, they probably intended for the queerness of Jennifer and Need literally kissing. I said this before, and I will say it again, bro. People were like, oh my god, there's queer subtext in this. And then there was no sub, <laughs> just text. They kiss on the lips. They're like, Jennifer only cares about Needy. She's like her sole motivator. Everyone else, she's like, you are just meat to me. Um, and like, that's the demonic possession. But like, Needy is the one person who's still like a person to her. Um, it's crazy. And then she ends up like <laughs> killing her in a really homoerotic way. Um, they're literally on a bed, and she like stabs her, and then it's like they're laying down, and it's like, oh my god, um, this is so homoerotic. Um, but I mean, so I know that they were trying to have. They probably the intention was that the queerness of their relationship was like obsession, and you know, it was framed as obsession. It was framed as degenerative, probably. But it just ended up being, like, one, sexy, and, like, <laughs> two, <laughs> two, that's in the notes, uh, and two, like, kind of almost, like, radical, like, like, women autonomy, because it was, like, like, they, you know, like I said, like, they literally, like, just failed the reverse Bechdel test, like, all of the other dudes got killed off, any, any other relevant man got killed off, Jennifer yeah. literally, like, says at one point, she's like, I'm not killing people, I'm killing boys, and I was like, True. So true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that part. And then, you know, yeah. She's also like a monster, but in kind of a fun way. Yeah, and she's no, Megan she is Fox. literally. Fox. Um, she's Megan Fox. <laughs> God. And she is Megan Fox. She's Megan. She's so Megan Fox. Um, yeah, anyways. I mean, the first that time movie. I watched that movie, I was like, I don't get it because people love it. Um, and I didn't understand why because what I got from that is like, Jennifer, canonically queer, canonically bisexual. Um, oh my god, wait, is she actually? And yeah, she like says, <laughs> yeah. she says um, they're like fighting in a swimming pool mm -hmm. area, yeah. and then she's like, I like both or something. Oh, true. Like, it's very explicit. And then immediately after that, Needy and her boyfriend, what's his name, take a, like a long, sharp stick and like stab her together. Yes. And I'm like, is this supposed to be like... <laughs> Me when I get penetrated by both a man and a woman. <laughs> Oh my god, cancel the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, is that is this like heterosexuality metaphorically defeating queerness? <laughs> and then like and then at the end, Needy stabs Jennifer, and that's like now her queerness is gone too, but then she ends up in a mental institution. Like I don't know. I thought it was pretty homophobic the first time I watched it. But then Fair, I think like most most things from the past are, <laughs> yeah. and then we just like find slayness in it, it. Yeah. And, and like looking back, 
like I had an urge to watch it last week. So I guess I did like <laughs> right it. up there with BBC Sherlock. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, let's not get into that. <laughs> Levels of homophobia. But I have seen BBC Sherlock, and Stephen Moffat has a lot to say about bisexual women and femme fatale feminism, mm-hmm. and none of it is good. Um, right. He is like basically Irene Adler. His well, this has been like a long-standing tradition of Sherlock adaptations. Just that, like, fucking up Irene Adler. Yeah, that she's like. Like, it's like oh. hypersexual and like having a relationship with Sherlock when like Which in the like, original first of all, books, she did not give one single fuck about him. Yeah, in the, in the original book, she was like the only person to ever outsmart Sherlock Holmes, and she did it because she wanted to run away with her husband or like somebody she wanted to marry, and she with did Duke. it successfully. Um, but then in every other adaptation of Sherlock Holmes, they are, like, romantically involved in some way. And in the BBC Sherlock version, um, she is a lesbian, but then is still in love with Sherlock. Like, she says she's a lesbian, but then I guess she's bi because she's in love with <laughs> Sherlock. And, and it's she's like, like, it's cool if you it. think you're a lesbian and later realize you're bisexual, <laughs> but trust me, Stephen Moffat cannot handle that level of complexity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and um, that was... And, and, like, Stephen Moffat appears to think that being a bisexual femme fatale is feminism. But really, he just thinks it's hot and keeps putting it in his shows in, like, a really objectifying, gross way. Um, and also, BBC Sherlock is queerbait trash, and he makes fun of his fans. And he's, he's the worst. He's just kind of bad at um, his job also. But yeah. we don't need to get into that. Yeah. You know, he's, I don't even know why I mentioned his name. He's not worth talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I have been JQ. I've been Emily. I've been Emma. I've been Alyssa. Rainer. <laughs> you have been watching Speak Out, the Outright podcast. You can read our articles at outrightnewsbag.org. That's right spelled W-R-I-T-E. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, the website formerly known as Twitter. (laughs) Thank you all for listening, and have a great rest of your day. (laughs) Bye!